The Accidentals are, in their own words, a female-fronted, multi-instrumentalist power trio. I like that description. The Michigan-based band has been writing and recording music for a number of years now. Their sound encompasses many genres, including folk, indie, orchestral, and pop. Their upcoming EP is a collection of songs they wrote during the pandemic that reflect on the state of our current culture. I had a chance to chat with Sav, Katie, and Michael about this release and their band. It was a fun chat. Make sure you check them out. They're young, but they're crazy talented, and I look forward to hearing from them in years to come. I hope you dig it. I read a little bit about the backstory of, of the group, and uh, I thought it was kind of interesting how you guys came together and, and come from different uh, musical genres. And uh, I was wondering if you could tell us about uh, kind of how the, the, the group formed and, and how you guys uh, came together as musicians. Yeah, Katie and I met in our high school orchestra program when we were like 15 and 16 years old. We were very shy. Um, but the orchestra program that we were part of, first of all, we were lucky just to have an orchestra program that we could be a part of in our public high school. But we also had an amazing instructor who... You know, first thing she did was hire a duo called the Moxie Strings to come in and do a workshop for all the kids. And there's this, these two women on electric violin and cello just rocking out. And we had no idea that, that was even a possibility. And then she bought, um, used the school budget to buy a bunch of electric instruments for everybody to try out. And then she formed an alternative styles club. So she was super integral to showing like, oh, hey, you know, orchestra is not just for playing, you know, box symphonies. It's also like you can do a lot of different things with these instruments. And so we joined uh, the alternative styles club and we're covering Led Zeppelin every week and like reading Coldplay sheet music. <laughs> and that kind of turned into something more when uh, we both volunteered to represent the alternative styles group at like a PTO meeting. And um, Katie came over to rehearse. And I remember she picked up the guitar that was lying in, around in my house because we were in the process of moving and she started playing a White Stripes song and I was like, oh man, let me go grab my ukulele. I'm going to join in on this. And we were pretty much a band that night. We're like, let's call ourselves the Tree Huggers. And <laughs> that obviously changed over time. But, um, I don't, you know, the point being, we, we kind of fell into it very um, serendipitously and it's just kind of evolved from there. It's been a wild ride. And Michael joined about Oh, Michael, can you, can you, what were the years? What happened? So, so I met Sam and Katie at a festival in 2013, uh, spent a year like fangirling out and becoming a huge fan of the band, like loved both the records they'd had out uh, at that time. And then uh, like slowly became friends, just kind of talking over the internet. And, you know, I was putting out music and whatnot. And then um, I, they finally found out that I played the drums and they were looking for a drummer uh, for the summer because the person that was playing with them at the time, uh, Vince Russo, shout out Vince, uh, was uh, going back to work with his regular band, The Appleseed Collective. So um, I, you know, volunteered and they asked me to come up for a month to do shows. And um, th it was it was such a fun run. And then at the end of that month, uh, they were like, well, uh, you could go back to school to learn how to do music or you could drop out of school and learn how to do music. <laughs> and uh, I chose the latter and the rest is history. I think I've been on uh, on the roster for I think it's going to be seven years in July. So, yeah, yeah. Oh. Time flies. Wow. man. Have you guys been a three-piece um, since he joined? Yeah. Uh, we were a duo for a long time. It was okay. just me and Kate for a couple of years. And uh, we do primary, like we primarily do the songwriting. We both play multiple instruments. And, um, you know, when Michael joined, it really expanded our ability to do like larger arrangements. We 
still play a bunch of different instruments, but switching off is way easier now with a drummer. I'm not going to lie. So, right. yeah, our live shows like went from like no offense to like 2013 Katie and Sav, but our <laughs> show went from like two girls and ukulele to like full like indie rock, like playing all these cool like seven, four time songs and um we i think a few years ago maybe 2018 um we took uh the fall um off of kind of the big full production show with um the lights and uh all of the sort we had like a bunch of salt lamps we toured with which were a pain in the butt but they looked cool and we decided to do like a stripped down set which uh, was a separate project um that sav and i uh, worked on called time out which was like a songwriters in the round project mm. so okay. it would be like me and sav and a friend of ours in nashville uh shout out to sharon corbett she introduced us to beth nielsen chapman um who is this insane hall of fame songwriter and we got to know beth and wrote a few songs with her and um beth went on tour with us and uh, another friend of ours in michigan named may Earlywine. and so it was the four of us on stage in the round and so we did a few of those tours um and yeah, that was that's kind of been what we've been doing ever since as we alternate a bit between like the, the songwriting in the round and like the full indie band with uh, the big stage setup. Yeah. 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 And school workshops, too. Yeah. Tell me about the school workshops. I, I, I saw a little bit of that about that, but I'd like to know a little more of what's going on with that. Yeah. Um, you know, like we said, we got our start in public orchestra and, you know, it's really important to us that youth education includes music in its programs and uh yeah i think like we've even started a nonprofit about it it's still in the works it's called play it forward again and again but the idea is that we're trying to get instruments into the hands of as many kids as possible and also supplement that with mentorship so that's just really important to us um typically when we're on tour we'll like take a day to swing by a school and, like, we'll be like, hey, can you pay us some, like, I don't know, Whole Foods gift card or gas station <laughs> gas card or something? And then we'll come and do, like, you know, a workshop on songwriting or alternative instruments. Uh, a lot of it's based on the, some of the same stuff that the Moxie Strings were teaching us when we were 15 and 16. And uh, it's been really cool to try and, you know, it's very full circle. Yeah, it's super fun, yeah. too, when we, like, have a show in the town that night. And we can, oh, yeah. like, you know, in the morning we'll be playing for the kids. And then we're like, and you can see, like, us do this live tonight if you want to. And we'll try to get the kids in uh, on a on a little bit of a, you know, sometimes we'll put some people on the list or something. But really, like, hitting home that, you know, trying to get trying to get kids excited about playing music in different ways. So I, I really like how many instruments you guys um, bring into the band and the, the, the sound and everything. And um, did that, that come from the, the high school experience of just being exposed to all these different styles and all that you know i think uh katie and i are very different people in a lot of ways but also there's a, like a vein of similarity where we're both like type a's and kind of overachievers and when we first met we had different skill sets so katie was writing songs she was the jazz guitarist in the jazz band she played multiple instruments uh, but she didn't do any live shows and was, you know, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like you had stage fright for a long time. I, I still <laughs> have stage fright. <laughs> <laughs> um, whereas, like, I was not writing songs and I was not playing more than anything than my violin, but I was playing live shows and I was going out and kind of entrenched in the folk scene and the Celtic scene um, in Traverse City, Michigan. 
So I was doing a lot of improvisation and I had a hard time reading sheet music and stuff. So when we came together, a lot of those skill sets just kind of merged where Katie started doing live shows with, with me and I started learning that it was possible to write songs and possible to play more than one instrument. And our shared love of like the same music, like Arcade Fire and Jack White um, and Sufjan Stevens really contributed to like the stuff that we wanted to write and the stuff we wanted to play. And that's just mm-hmm. kind of been the relationship ever since. It's obviously evolved a lot. And, you know, we've always tried to expand beyond our um, any any genre that can be just kind of boxed in. Uh, I know a lot of bands are doing that these days, and that's super cool. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we're always trying new, new stuff. So. I like that. Have you guys uh, thought about bringing in any electronic um, like uh, drums or anything into the sound? We've thought about it. Michael has opinions. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly like still. Pr- I'm I'm more open to it now than I think I. When I was like 19, I was like, I'm never gonna add a drum pad to my acoustic drum kit setup. But like you know that if if it again, I think a lot of the ways that we we build our songs is to just like try to serve the songs as as best as possible. So right. if there ends up being anything that we need to you know use something like electronic mm-hmm. on, you know, we'll we'll make it work you know we'll find a way to do it uh just as long as it is serving the song and and getting across what we what we want to get across but yeah i'm definitely out of the uh the no electronic zone i'm like a huge bonnie Vair fan now so like uh, all the like twinkles <laughs> and like bloops and bleeps i'm like oh yes fantastic <laughs> i will say like vessel the album vessel we were working on that to release this summer and then obviously eric last summer and covid kind of put an end to that plan so we had to table it uh, and we're putting that out in the fall, but uh, Vessel's very much like the indie rock vibe, right? And then when we came into quarantine, we started doing all of these co-writes with these amazing songwriters like Tom Paxton, Dar Williams, and Kim Ritchie. And uh, as a result, we kind of pivoted and started looking at maybe taking these songs and turning them into an album, especially or an EP, especially because they were all kind of about the grieving process of going through a year like 2020 so there's something really timely about that and i i don't know when we toured this one i feel like there won't be electronic drum pads but (laughs) it's not to say that can't happen for vessel maybe in the future (laughs) i'll be looking for it i I was just um it's on my mind i was listening to uh there's a a post malone cover of a sturgill simpson song that he did over the the weekend there was this big um texas um benefit concert that matthew mcconaughey start, set up and um nice. it was uh kind of kind of been a little viral over the weekend but um it was post malone with uh, dwight yoakam's band uh backing him up and he was singing um uh, one of sturgill simpson's songs and uh i just loved that combination of just just two disparate worlds you know and um i was really impressed with his voice he's he's a great i'm not super into his music but i was really impressed with um the whole performance and it just got me thinking about just you know, weird things coming together. Yeah. Post Malone is awesome. Like he's, he's got a lot of friends in like that country folk world. Like he was hanging with, with Billy strings that one time. Yeah. That was, that was a wild picture to see. (laughs) That doesn't surprise me at all. Honestly, collaboration, I think is super key these days because Mm -hmm. it just shows that you're open-minded about music and you make really interesting art as a result. There's like not a downside to collaboration for me. Yeah, I can't wait absolutely. for the post Malone Billy Strings track to drop. I'm, I'm waiting for it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> 
Did they did they record something? Do you know? I don't uh, know. No, I don't know if him. they did or not. <laughs> we okay. should ask him. I think we should totally. We should not only should we ask, but we should encourage. <laughs> Post Malone yeah. track when? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be incredible. God, that guy's an incredible guitar player. Yeah. yeah. The strings. Well, he grew up in our town, actually. We, oh, we, really? Uh, yeah, we were all from, like, the northern Michigan community area, so he was, like, on our first couple of records uh, oh, I didn't back know that. when we were young. Yeah. Um, There's also <laughs> a clip. I was just going back through our YouTube channel, and I forgot about this, but we have a song called Michigan and Again that came out in what like 2016 or something and there's a clip of us hanging out with billy on his front porch in nashville because we like drove through and did laundry at his house and i think it was was it like your birthday or something mike you like it was it was my 21st birthday i had my first legal uh pbr with billy on his porch wow <laughs> yeah That's we're all like, like hanging upside down and yeah oh, we ate at Mas tacos that day i'll never forget yeah with the horchata, horchata amazing yeah, oh. oh dude i miss Aww. horchata <laughs> yeah <laughs> i need to get some in my life yeah we got great mexican food here in northern nevada we got horchata everywhere nice oh, oh man that's good stuff so uh, you brought up a, a minute ago um, the collaborations that you did for this this EP, and I was uh, kind of interested in how all those uh, collaborations came out. How, how did those come to be? Yeah. yeah. Very strangely, I would say. Katie, you want to touch on this? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say um, Time Out. So like Zap mentioned, Vessel, are like our, our full-length indie uh, album, we, we tabled it after we uh, recorded it ourselves, and then um, what makes Time Out special is it's all co-writes. So we have been doing deep dives into co-writing. And um, a lot of it, you know, like I'd say Kim Ritchie was one of the first ones, right, Sav? And that was through um, the OBS tutorial that you came up with during our, our first dive into live streaming at the beginning of lockdown. Yeah. Um, what started as just... Um sort of a recounting of all the mistakes we made in live streaming turned into a 40-page tutorial on how to live stream to a lot of social media platforms via this program called OBS. And so that, I put it out like on my Facebook page as like, hey, if any musician needs this, like, here you go. And it just got picked up by like Hypebot and Bands in Town started spreading. Um, a lot of venues like Club Passim and The Ark and Bluebird Cafe were kind of like using this manual to try and figure out how to translate shows online. And so what happens is Club Passim reached out to me and they were like, hey, we're having like um, we're having Kim Ritchie do a show for us in the next couple of days. And we're wondering if you can hop on the phone with her and like go over some live streaming techniques. I was like, you want me to talk to Kim Ritchie, like my hero, <laughs> the woman I've been listening to since I was five years old? Yeah, sure. I can definitely do that. I'll make that happen. So um, we got on the phone and I was kind of telling her I hooked her up with a sure microphone an MB 51. And then I was like, Hey, so, you know, are you ever interested in, you know, maybe playing an online show or co-writing? And she was like, heck yeah, totally. Let's do it. When are we doing it? And so like a lot of those connections happened very organically. Same thing with Tom Paxton. We're like, we were on the same booking agency and we do a weekly zoom call and he heard us play a song and reached out and asked to write songs every Monday. So now we do that. And, um, yeah, it's very, very organic, very weird that, like, in isolation, this is the time that we feel, like, the most connected to a lot of different legendary songwriters, but um, we're lucky for it. It's kept us sane. Yeah, that's fantastic. Where are you guys all located? Are you in the same city? I mean, we're all in different Zooms right now, but are you all spread apart from each other? 
we like we like live within a couple hours of each other all in michigan so you know i'm in traverse city katie's in cedar michigan right now and michael's in grand rapids gotcha (laughs) yeah we just finished like um i mean when we got home from lockdown uh probably last uh march we took a little bit of time and then we all met up and we turned sav's attic into a home studio so we were all together from probably like march or april up until like november so we were um pretty much living together in our little home studio space live streaming and co-writing and recording um and then we took a little bit of time apart um for the holidays and then we we got back together to finish uh, up the timeout EP and that was another month and a half of um, recording so we kind of get together and try to do as much as we can um, and luckily we're all pretty close you know in you know Michael's maybe like two and a half hours south so yeah but like I, I used to live outside Detroit so my drive to Traverse was like four and a half hours and now it's only like two and a half hours so it feels a lot glass shorter yeah exactly glass half full type <laughs> thing right that's great and it's incredible that the, uh, the the technology that we're all able to connect like this. You know, I think that's a, a pretty incredible thing. Oh, yeah. Well, we moved to Nashville to do session work and co-writing and then ended up doing a lot of that from Michigan when COVID happened. So <laughs> it worked out in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's funny. Well, the song uh, Wildfire is is just phenomenal. I love that song. And um, I'd, I'd love if you guys could uh, talk about the, the, the lyrics behind that song and kind of what you were going for with it. Yeah, so the way that that came about was once Kim Ritchie had agreed to do a co-write, um, we settled for a date, and I, like the night before, had a conversation with my family at the dinner table. We were talking about, you know, COVID, and my mom just was like, yeah, man, it was kind of like waiting on a wildfire. I'm like, I'm writing that down. And so, <laughs> like, furiously typed it in my phone, went upstairs, kind of messed with this guitar riff, and came up with the first verse, and I was convinced that it'd be placeholder lyrics, right? And I... uh sent it all to Kim and Katie and then we got on the phone the next day and Kim's like no we're keeping that first verse and how about we shift the time the time uh signature a little bit in this chorus and like started working on that but what you know started out as just kind of placeholder thoughts for me ended up turning into a song um that was meant to kind of capture this sense of bewilderment that everybody had once we realized that we were not getting out of this overnight right like, we were all sort of talking and trying to figure out what the song was going to be about. And we realized that we were all trying to tell the same story because that's typically how chorus go. It's like you start talking and figuring out how everybody feels. And then that turns into a song that tries to capture this universal feeling. And I can't imagine somebody who didn't experience some facet of grief during 2020. So, um, so the song, you know, started out just talking about these memories of traveling and being on the road. And um, the second verse is all about going to Nashville and then all the plans going up in smoke. And we were going to leave it at that, right? And uh, then I remember on the last day that we were writing this, we did this over two Zoom sessions. I was like, I think we should write a third verse. And Kim was like, are you crazy? 
um, but I'm so glad that we did it. And she she eventually was like, "No, you're right. We got to write a third verse because we have to we have to show that you know fires happen sometimes completely out of our control. They're horrible, tragic things, but there is an aftermath that comes out of them. And you know there is such a sense of fertility because sometimes like there's literally types of like plants that just grow better from being in the fire. Um, so that's the whole purpose of the last verse is to kind of show that there is hope to be had. There's growth to be made. And, um, you know, there's, there's a light at the end of this. That's good. Yeah. We learned that Kim like had us a degree in environmental science. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, yeah, she let, does. Me, uh, let me, yeah, yeah we she's like, let me tell you about these, these different kinds <laughs> of plants. They, like, require a certain yeah. temperature to respawn yeah. she's like there are plants that grow out of wildfires she's like trust me and she she talked about it. we bonded over the weirdest things on those zoom calls like her, her background in uh, science um she was like she almost wanted to make knives she was bonding with sav about knife making um right. yeah we and like we talked about amy mann you know I, we, we just had a good time hanging out we're we're buds that's awesome yeah, and the, the the wildfire thing um, for me, there was an added layer um, because I live uh, about thirty minutes from Lake Tahoe, and um, so we're real close to California and Oregon. And the, the wildfires that came through were just one more layer of things that happened in twenty twenty: the pandemic, the racial reckoning, the that literal wildfires, and the smoke. And and for us around here, um, it was smoke for like a month straight. I mean, the sky was orange. It was just awful you know and so the when i was listening to it it was just you know that in in the ways that a really good song work on multiple uh, levels and I, I just thought that song was fantastic for having that that analogy there man we were trying to be super sensitive to that too because it didn't we didn't want it to just be like you know a cheap metaphor or anything it really is what everything felt like in 2020 like it was just raging out of control right um, and nobody saw it coming. Like nothing like this had ever happened in any of our lifetimes. So I don't think we had processed like the enormity of what was happening. And I think that's just where wildfire came from was just trying to trying to process it all. So, so yeah, that that's the story of the EP really begins with that song. Kate's right to to say like that was kind of mm-hmm. the first. Yeah, we were like we were like this is timely. I mean, it just it just happened like. Um, we set up these co-writes to get to know these artists who uh, inspired us to be songwriters, you know? And it, it, of course we were inside in our houses that whole time and could could pretty much only write about what we were uh, thinking and watching and experiencing. Um, and that's why we were like, okay, let's, let's put out time out because it's just everything at this time period is being put into this EP. Well, I also loved the song All Shall Be Well. Um, I, uh, I listened to it multiple times in a row when I, I first heard it. Um, it's such a, a great kind of gospel-inspired tune, and um, I, I'd love to hear more about uh, the writing of that song as well. In the end, all shall be well Born You know, um, shouting out to Sharon again, she really made this connection happen as well with us and Mary Gaucher and Jamie Harris. And um, yeah, 
<laughs> All right, I'm just going to be completely honest. The first time we ever wrote together, I was like, um, we were kind of doing small talk, right? And then I was like, oh, we should get writing, you know? And so I uh, ended up like whipping out this chorus. It was very complicated. I'm like, how oh, about we start with this? And like just played this very fast chorus. And like Mary took a second. She's like, how about all shall be well? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's much better. <laughs> <laughs> I was really embarrassed, um, but but also like it's just like Mary to be such a great equalizer to a situation and to capture like such a simple, powerful statement. And this is also like I think we wrote the song December twenty second. We wrote it in like an hour, and uh, it was obviously right before the holidays, and you know there's a lot of tension leading up to the election. So this was a this was a thought that really hit us at a at a weird time, and the song every line just spoke so. Um, powerfully. I think we were all, like Katie and I were trying to hold back tears as we were writing it. Yeah, well, I know, Sav, you joke about bringing this, like, punk rock song to the table <laughs> with with Mary Gaucher and Jamie Harris, but at the core, like, we were all feeling the same thing, and, like, the song idea you brought was, it was just about, like, kind of, like, grieving and darkness, and I think that's what really prompted Mary, and she was like, what can what can we write as a response to these feelings and it's just it's it's not demeaning you know anything that's going on to say all shall be well it's just a really hopeful sentiment and i remember this this was our very first four person co-write you know so we yeah. had that that extra element on the table and um mary and jamie were in the same room and so we started singing because when we when we write, you know, we'll maybe get a, a verse and chorus in and then we'll sing it from the top to kind of hear how it flows before we keep writing. So as soon as we all like hit that first chorus, Mary and uh, Jamie were in their little Zoom box window. They were harmonizing and then Sav and I are on the other side in our little Zoom box and we're harmonizing and it transported me to like those folk festivals um, and those like folk conferences or like jam sessions where everyone is singing a song around the campfire and Man, I hadn't felt that in so long <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just the all shall be well, everyone's stacking on their harmonies. I don't know. It was really, it was really beautiful. I think maybe someday we'll do, um, maybe do like a big group sing along recording of it. But, um, yeah, that's, that's what really hit me. I think too, like what's important about that one is that it's not like, it's not pandering to any sense of perfection that, you know, it's not a perfect world um, that we were singing to at the time. It wasn't perfect when we were writing the song. It was just meant to be like sort of a beacon of light to hold up during a dark time. And that's kind of how the song hit us. And like the whole EP is, uh, I'm sorry, I'm like choking on my own tears. Um, the whole EP is like a really great allegory for the grief that we've experienced this year and also the healing um there are dark moments on this ep that are really like we just sit in it that's uncomfortable for me um and then there's songs like this that are kind of like you know there's a reason why we grieve at all um it's for growth and it's to recognize that there's still work to be done so this song it was meant to be written with mary and jamie a hundred percent that's fantastic i love that yeah, I was when I was listening to it, I was um, imagining um, 
I was thinking about um, uh, a little bit of uh, like Woody Guthrie and um, uh, some of the, the old school um, uh, folk artists who would um, oftentimes um, lead people together and, um, and and sing songs together. And I was just imagining a, a festival have a setting um, and that, that song mm -hmm. being kind of led in the crowd being brought in together uh, in yeah. it. Because I think that's that's the type of healing stuff that um, that we're going to need once um, once shows get started back up and and uh, people are going. I, you know, I think people will kind of party and have fun at first, but I think there's a sense of of community and uh, and of healing that we all need and it's it's songs like that that um, help bring us all together well it's only four chords so there's lots of jam sessions to be had for it <laughs> yeah <laughs> they just repeat over and over yeah <laughs> yeah no it's it's the it's the feeling behind it you know it's not yeah. the, the complexity of it that's good stuff well, you know, uh, shows are starting to slowly open up again, and I'm starting to see people post about um, distanced um, shows and, you know, limited seatings, masks, and stuff like that. Um, are you guys um, uh, starting to, to book shows or starting to play shows at all? Yeah, we're hoping that um, July really opens up. You know, we've got some concerts in the park plans. We're mainly doing outdoor shows. We're being vaccinated. Um, we're going to encourage mask wearing and social distancing when it's, you know, appropriate. Um, so we're trying to be as safe as possible. We all three of us have immunocompromised family members. And so we were close to the situation that, you know, made us be really careful. That's why we, we were ready to lose an entire year of income to keep our family safe and to keep, you know, our fans safe. We care. So, um, so we're excited to go back, but also we're going to, we want to do it right. And um, we're lucky enough to have the resources to do it right. Thanks to our Patreon, uh, which we started in 2019, right before our van and trailer was stolen. And then right before the van was, uh, totaled so uh, we were lucky to have that income in place um, back then and we're lucky to have it now and you know we're lucky in a lot of ways so excited to work but want to do it safe absolutely yeah, that'll be uh, an interesting thing. It seems though, like the, the vaccines are getting out pretty quick. You know, states are starting to open it up to everybody now, you know, which is a really good sign. And, and uh, Biden wants everyone to open up by May, you know, to open up everybody to vaccines. So um, yeah. that's a good thing, you know. Yeah, yeah a lot of respect to the to the people who are administering those vaccines. And I know EMTs personally who did a lot of work to keep people safe during this time. So big shout out to everybody who was on the front lines making that as safe as possible and working on people, making sure we were all good. Absolutely. This is also um, the most shout outs in any uh, podcast I've done I so have far. To. There's too, much, too many people to thank like right now, especially as we come on the brink of being back to normal-ish, you know, like... Mm -hmm. there was a huge community that came together and supported each other. There was some, if there was anything to take away from 2020, it was that people did come together for a time to recognize the sense of unity and, and compassion for the sake of compassion. So yeah, a lot of people to thank. Absolutely. Well, if uh, people want to find out more about you guys, support your music by emerge, uh, support, you know, the, the band in general, um, what's the best place to find you guys online? You can go to theaccidentalsmusic.com and um, our Patreon is, you know, patreon.com slash theaccidentals. <laughs> We're also on all streaming platforms and social media platforms. We're easy to find. Just look for the three dorky looking kids. That's us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. I just like to give you guys a little uh, uh, little space to, to talk about where to find you. But you guys are all over all over the social media and, and uh, the internet and all that. You guys do a good job with that. The Instagram's the one where we do like all the goofy stuff. So that's the best one to tune into. <laughs> it's my personal favorite. Mm -hmm. We have a TikTok now too. 
Do you? Yeah. <laughs> TikTok. Yes, indeed. <laughs> TikTok <laughs> has made me feel so old. Um, yeah. <laughs> but just, it's fun. Nothing makes me feel like an old man more than TikTok. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> I mean, I'm only My, 25. I just turned 25, and I still, I, I still don't. I feel very uh, like there's a lot to learn on TikTok. Like I could be there for weeks and still I have a lot to learn. <laughs> it is such a weird one. I talked to um, uh, uh, there's a, a, a group from LA called Las Cafeteras. It's a Latino group, and um, he had just um, been on the phone with someone, and they were starting to set up a, a TikTok. And then I um, asked Pearl Charles about it too, and uh, she was, had the same reaction as you guys. She was just like, I don't know, man. That's it's weird. You know? <laughs> We're doing our best. We've had one video go like pretty, pretty successful. And it was because Michael covered take five on his drum kit. For whatever reason, take mm-hmm. five just really took off. So. It was like, it was a pun. It was a musical yeah. thing. It was like yeah. a, a, a good, perfect a great storm zoom. of a joke. Yeah. So if you want to see it, go to TikTok for the XL's music. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all the questions I had for you guys. Uh, Thanks for uh, connecting with me today. It was really great talking with you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. This is a great, great podcast. I got the chance to listen to some episodes, and you you kill it. It's really, really good. Well, big thanks to Sav, Katie, and Michael for connecting with me. And uh, if you haven't already, go check out their music, uh, the new EP, the new songs they have out there. Go stream it. It's on everything, uh, Spotify and all that. Uh, Check out their website. Buy some merch. And uh, if you're into the TikToks, go watch them on that as well. It's not my thing, but uh, maybe you enjoy it. So anyway, uh, support the band, support their music, and uh, I will catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in.